Welcome to the Zico Health Show. This is weight management expert, Narado Zico Powell. Here we discuss fitness, nutrition, gut health, alternative medicine, and anything else that impacts your health and fitness. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. Everyone, welcome to another episode of Zika Health Show. This is weight management expert, Narado Zico Powell. And I have a really good interview for you today. I have Dr. Ashley Lucas. And let me tell you, if we want to talk about weight loss, we want to talk about, you know, yo-yo dieting. We're going to talk about everything that you really need to set yourself up for success and continue to have success in your weight management journey. So when it comes to weight management, this is going to be the most powerful interview I have done so far. Dr. Lucas, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. And let me tell you, there's no understatement. I am very excited to have you on this episode today. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I am too. Let's get this puppy rolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me about yourself. Tell us about your qualifications. Sure. Yeah. So I um, started in my youth training as a classical ballet dancer. And, you know, um, I was always fighting to get my body where it needed to be. It didn't physically conform well. I didn't have any natural talent. So I had to push my body to perform in ways that it just naturally didn't want to want to go. Um, But I I had an obsession about it. And so I had a fairly successful career, but I was injured all the time. I had uh, wicked stress fractures in my back and my feet. And despite severely restricting calories and counting fat grams like an expert bookkeeper, I was still told I was fat countless times. Um, because of my obsession with the sport and the art, I had a fairly successful career. So I danced professionally throughout companies um, across the United States. And I was chosen at one point to go and perform in New York City. You know, that's every dancer's dream is to be chosen to perform there. And so I was flown up there. But instead of finding myself in the spotlight, I found myself in the ER. I didn't know what was happening with my body. I thought I was having a heart attack. Maybe I, was, I had MS. And after a whole bunch of different tests, the neurologist came back and said that I was simply over-exercised and underfed and that I could not continue. And so to me, that was devastating. I felt like a failure. I was flown home by myself, afraid of my health future. I had to step away from ballet before most people would have said that I actually made it. And it was my identity. I had no idea what to do. You know, it it might not sound like a big deal, but it was 20 plus years of struggle and sacrifice that just came at me like a tidal wave. I never felt like I had hit success and I was just sick and, and injured. And so I really had to sit with myself and decide what to do. And I understood how significantly nutrition or really lack thereof impacted my own sport performance. So I went on to learn more about nutrition and I I went on to earn my PhD in sports nutrition and chronic disease and studied exactly that. You know, what happens to all of us chronic dieters out there, metabolically speaking, How do we successfully drop weight without just starving ourselves and exercising like crazy? 
And then most importantly, you know, mentally and emotionally, what do we need to do to create sustainable and healthy change? And so that's what I studied during my doctoral work. And I went on to teach at The Ohio State University but found that there I'm not a very patient person and I have to see dramatic change for people. And so I went back to school again to become a registered dietitian. Um, But when I was doing my internship, I was really blown away because all of the information that I was taught was the same information I tried to implement into my own life for years, but was chronically met with failure you know, eat less, move more, have more moderation, uh, you know, or eat everything in moderation, you need more willpower. And I know that I had a really good dose of discipline and willpower being a professional athlete, and I still wasn't where I needed to be. So I basically flipped everything that I learned upside down during that dietetic internship and took everything that I gained during my doctoral work and created this PhD approach that we implement in our clinics and our nationwide program. And I initially began working a lot with athletes, helping them enhance their performance you know, perform at higher intensities for longer duration and get their body, drop body fat, get their body where it needs to be. And what I found had the significant impact on athletes had a more profound impact on those of us struggling with excess weight. And so just put all of that together. And today we've helped, you know, thousands of people drop weight without severe calorie restriction or chronic exercise. You know, I implemented into my lifestyle and I'm leaner and fitter than I ever was. And I eat much more and move much less. And, and here I am today, helping to share the word. That's extremely powerful. And I, and I, like, the, I like your entire setup because the conventional things is really what's caught, gotten us in trouble up to this point. Because yes, we know the importance of movement. Yes, we know the importance of moderation. Yes, we know the importance of eating healthy foods quote unquote, healthy foods, right? Right. But yet we don't know how to put those together. And also in addition to that, I'm sure you being a registered dietitian, you understand this, that that may not even, that advice may not even work for everyone if they have hormonal imbalances, Mm -hmm. if they have underlying health conditions. And there's so many things that goes into that. And that's why I'm glad that there are experts like you who are Mm -hmm. helping people who actually need the help and beyond just the conventional quote-unquote wisdom as they may say that's right yeah i agree so this is the perfect segue into the next question then why do you believe that weight gain is not our fault so many reasons behind this but i want to start by talking about the science and metabolically what happens when we start putting on excess weight so i'm going to share with you a story and what I find happens with all of the clients who I've helped and we've helped make dramatic change. And so what happens in our lives is we have these triggers and these triggers change the way that we tolerate our food. So a common trigger for um, men is usually something stressful that happens like a relationship stressor or a major change in lifestyle, new job, lost a job, something majorly stressful. For women, it can be different aspects because we've got a lot of hormonal shifts going on. It could be pregnancy, maybe a third pregnancy. Let's say the first two pregnancies, we we gain weight, but then on the, and we drop it all 
in between them. But on that third pregnancy, oh my gosh, the weight just will not go back to our sweet spot. Um, it could be menopause, or for a lot of us, it could just be birth, where genetically we are predispositioned to store fat really efficiently. You know, for those of you who have struggled with your weight forever, this is probably your trigger was birth. <laughs> and so we go through these different triggers and they change how we tolerate our food. So before this trigger, we could eat in this specific way, but following it, we start to put on this weight thinking, what the heck is going on? I've not done anything differently, but for some reason, my body is not tolerating and responding in the same way. And here I'm accumulating some of this fat. And so over time, we continue to accumulate this fat. It doesn't take very much. Maybe the first 10, 15 pounds is the initiative of it. And we start to accumulate this fat after that in the belly. And we know that this belly fat is different than the fat throughout the rest of the body. This fat that we call visceral fat, it's thick like a gel. It fills up the organs and it wraps around the organs tight and it squeezes them like a straight jacket. So if you have fat in the belly, I want you to picture this Kobe beef steak. If we took a slice of your liver, it would look like that, right? So I'm not talking about the stuff you can pinch or people try to melt or freeze or cool. <laughs> I'm talking about that fat that's actually deep down in the organs. This is the visceral fat. And so what happens is after time, this visceral fat starts to grow its own blood vessels. It gets a little oxygen going for it. And then it starts to secrete hormones. So this fat mass that you've accumulated in your belly as a result of this simple trigger has a mind of its own. It has its own agenda and all it wants to do is continue to grow and get fatter as fast as possible. So I like to explain it almost like a tumor. It acts similarly, right? It secretes all these hormones that help to um, help the emphasis of continued growth. And so it secretes hormones that make you hungry, that make you crave. There's no willpower in the world that's gonna overcome this craving. It makes you addicted to food. So I always say that weight loss is really an addiction recovery process, and that's the reason why. Um, it slows your metabolism. So you can look at a piece of pizza and a beer and gain five pounds. It shouldn't be that way. And it makes you lazy because the last thing this fat mass wants to do is, continue, is for you to expend and continue to expend a ton of energy, right? It wants you to be lazy. It wants you to sit there. It wants you to crave and just eat. So if you have this fat mass specifically in the belly, all your body wants to do is continue to grow. So that's why I say that it's not your fault. It has nothing to do with you. It's not a flaw in personality. It's not a lack of discipline. It's simply because there's this hungry fat mass in there that has demands and urges and cravings and desires. And all it wants to do is be fed. And for some individuals, it will wake them up in the middle of the night at 2 a.m. and they'll find themselves in the kitchen eating cookies. And it's because this fat mass has a carb count and it's hungry. And so, yeah, go ahead. No, I just had, I just had a quick segue question there. Sure. So when it comes to men that have um, high amounts of visceral fat, do, would, is that the same thing that they inherently experience? Yes. Yes. And so for men, another hormone that this fat mass secretes at the tissue level is called aromatase. And we know that aromatase takes testosterone and converts it into estrogen. So the more fat mass that men have in the belly and the chest, the higher estrogen, the lower T levels, 
and it just continues to propagate this fat storage. And men will find that it continues to grow in the belly, the chest, kind of the face area. And that's indicative of that lower testosterone, higher estrogen levels as a result of this visceral fat. Wow, that's powerful. That's powerful. Anybody listen to this episode, I want you to go back and just listen to that part as well, because that is really strong. So then let's tie that into, let's say, um, yo-yo dieting, or which we should call it um, self-will, self-control, right? What, what are some of the reasons that we experience yo-yo dieting or tend to have a lack of self-control? So the biggest reason for yo-yo dieting is if we look at this visceral fat, and let's imagine that you have a, a fat mass in the belly that's 60 pounds, and you drop half of it, 30 pounds, and you think, you know what, I look and feel good enough, which is, I find, the biggest reason for failure. Whenever we hear ourselves say that or hear someone say that, we know that we're not really where we need to be quite yet. So just watch yourself on that if you hear that sabotaging thought. But anyway, let's say we drop 30 pounds of this 60-pound hungry fat mass. Well, there's still half of it in there, half of this tumor-like fat working against you, secreting all the same hormones. So at that place, you have not yet made any shift metabolically right? There's not been a dramatic enough shift in the metabolism to support successful weight maintenance. I want you to think of it like shaving the top off of a weed and leaving the root. If the root is still there, then you are going to regain. So that is the biggest reason why in society we see this yo-yo is because we truly haven't fully collapsed this active fat mass and gotten the body truly where it needs to be. Um, that makes sense. So in, instead of us just focusing on just dropping a bunch of weight just for the hell of it, we need to focus on improving the health of our metabolism and also rebalancing our hormones, our neurotransmitters and everything else that our body actually needs, which makes that's the whole premise behind the Zico Health Show. So <laughs> that's why I told you Ashley is the perfect guest for this show, because you are definitely on point. And I agree with you 100%. And with the clients that I've worked with, the ones that I see that have sustained results and the ones that don't come down to exactly what you just explained. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, sure. So this is my personal war and it's on calories and calories in versus calories out. My clients don't track and I tell them all the time, I don't care if you tell me that you eat a thousand calories and you're burning off 2000, you can keep that to yourself. Now I'll watch what you eat. I'll guide you and I'll teach this. you. <laughs> But if you tell me about calories one more time, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to do something in the workout that you're going to hate. <laughs> okay. So tell me about this calories in versus calories out. Why is weight management more complicated than that? We as a human body or system are just so much more complicated than a calorie in and out equation. It just doesn't work that way. And I totally agree with you. I hate trackers. There's not one that I would suggest. If we're truly eating the way that we are supposed to for our bodies, we're going to be able to be the best tracker. When we're hungry, we eat. When we're not hungry, we don't. It, we don't need any my fitness pal to tell us that we have 800 calories left and need to raid the pantry when we're not even hungry. So I totally agree with you there. It all has to do with where our hormones are, where our metabolism is. And the type of food that we're eating is either going to drive us to want to binge and overeat or drive us to feel satiated and full and like we can just move on with our day and have freedom from food. 
So, you know, I, I just did a post on social media about, and I, and I don't look at calories, but we compared a Big Mac to Starbucks drinks, right? And the, for the same calorie load, and I would never look at calories, I would look at what the composition of those foods are, and none of them are ideal, of course. But if you look at the Starbucks, you know, mocha latte that has 500 calories in it, you, that's about 18 to 22 teaspoons of sugar. That's about a third of a cup of sugar that someone would be drinking in a matter of minutes. You compare that to the Big Mac, which still isn't good, but, um, you know, it has at least 25 grams of protein in it and less sugar all coming from the bun. But if one ate the Big Mac over the Starbucks drinks, that at least they would be fuller longer. They'd probably end up eating less and wanting, you know, um, to have the, the support in, in a small way to, to be active and help build their muscle because it has some protein in it. So really the composition of the food is what we need to pay attention to. And if we're burning fat, if we can get our body metabolically in a state of fat burn, then we don't need to eat as much because we can burn the fat that's stored on our body for fuel. You know, I think the leanest person has 50 to 60,000 calories worth of fat on their body. But most of us are eating in a way that doesn't allow us to tap into that stored fat. So, so that's the ultimate goal. Have you ever watched Shark Week? Yes, I have. Okay, perfect. So you're going to get this analogy. So sharks, as you know, they hunt to store fat, right? Yeah. Because they're in a constant state of movement. So they, they are hungry and they go eat to store fat and then they use that fat as they move about, as they move around. Well, as human beings, our metabolism is very similar to that where we can store body fat and then we can burn it accordingly. That's why when, when I do an assessment, Especially these days, one of the first things people ask me is, should I be doing keto? Should I be doing paleo or something like that? And my answer is always no. And the reason why is because, of course, you know, everybody's metabolism is different. So I can't tell you, yes, just go do keto and you're going to be perfectly fine. There are other things that may come with that. But what I do teach them as they start my program and as they work with me is your body's ability to maximize fat oxidation. And that's what we need to focus on. Like you said, you have so much stored body fat, but your body needs, your metabolism needs to get to that fat and use that fat accordingly. Like, for example, I'm generally in a state of ketosis throughout the week in different times of the day. Mm -hmm. I'm going to play a two-hour soccer game after this. I'm not going to be in ketosis. I don't want, I'm not trying to die, <laughs> right? But on, on my days where I am less physically active, or I'm working around the computer and I don't need quick energy, I tend to be more in a state of ketosis. Right. So, but, and, it, and it looks different for everyone. And that's what I teach my clients. You have to train your body to be able to use energy as needed. And right. human beings who, as you know, doctor or animals, right? Mm -hmm. Our bodies should act as animals. Let's go back to the example. You were talking about the Big Mac and versus in the Starbucks. Well, there's not just sugars there. There's not just protein and in some cases fiber, but there's also the, um, the chemicals that's used in the oils. There's also um, the artificial coloring and, and natural coloring, which God knows where that even comes from, that our bodies are just not designed to break down. That's not in fruit, that, that are not in fruits, right? Because mm -hmm. fruits have, don't have artificial colorings and all these other things that comes along with it. 
that our bodies have to break down as well, which makes it hard for our bodies to metabolize what we eat. So when we eat something that's bad for us, we need to, we can't just think about, oh, I'm just, I mean, it's a lot of carbs, it's a lot of this. There is so much more that comes with it that's damaging your body. And of course, you know, dropping a bomb on your gut and your gut bacteria as well. So you're just destroying everything from every different angle you can think of. That's right. So let's go a little bit deeper then. Because we talked about stress in the beginning. You talk about men and, and stress. Of course, stress affects us all in many different ways, right? Yeah. But how does, what is it, what's your connection there? Or how does stress really impact weight management? So what happens when we are in a chronically high stressed situation? And so we know first acute stress is, is usually productive and okay. This might be, gosh, I have to get my kids to school in 20 minutes. I'm a little bit stressed out here, but it, it incentivizes us or pushes us, I guess is a better word to actually perform in the way that we need to. So the unhealthy type of stress is just this chronic level of high stress, high anxiety that a lot of us live in today um, just because of our, our current world. And so what happens is metabolically, when we are in a state of high insulin, which generally happens when we are gaining weight, uh, when we have a lot of visceral fat, we generally have, everyone's different, but in general, we have a higher insulin level in our bodies. When we have that and we're in the stress state um, and secreting cortisol, and cortisol is a, is a stress hormone, right? And it impacts the body in all of these different ways. Well, when we're in a high insulin state and we have high cortisol, it influences the fat cells. So at the fat cell level, what it does is it inhibits the fat cell to be able to release triglycerides to burn them as fuel. So inside the fat cell, we have the triglyceride. What we want is we want that triglyceride to be able to be released so that we can burn that as fuel, burn that fat. Well, when we're in a high insulin state, we have this cortisol release because we're in a high stress state as well. Then the fat is basically locked in the fat cell and we witness more fat gain, more weight gain. We witness more inflammation. And when we have this state going on, the cortisol can actually relocate our fat cells from throughout the body and push them into the belly area. So we start to accrue more of this visceral fat. And then we know again, that these fat cells in the belly also secrete cortisol at the tissue level. So it's just a crazy cascade of events that just continues to promote more fat storage, more inflammation, more hormonal imbalance. I hope that made sense. That was totally on point. And that ties in, we have to do some work together in the future, by the way, because yeah. we're, our minds are so in sync. <laughs> um, because you're 100% correct. And you know what? I always say this, that the way we start our day impacts our ability to burn body fat throughout the rest of the day. The, the, right. the traditional American, right? They say has about five or six stressors in the first hour that they wake up. And we need to really pay attention to that. You know, we wake up and we're like, the alarm goes off in the middle of, I don't know, maybe sleep cycle three or wherever you are, because you didn't fall asleep properly in the night before. So the ang, ang, ang kicks you out, kicks you out. That's your first stressor. Then immediately start, you know, sometimes we check WhatsApp or we check the family chat or something like that. 
and you know we 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 or we on social media or you know whatever then we got to get the kids ready then if you have a husband who's stubborn you got to yell at him to get ready <laughs> <laughs> then, then you know you have to you know if you're driving in Orlando where everybody drives like 5 miles an hour down the street then you know you're yelling in traffic then you start to you start work then you have to hurry up and get everything started and within the first hour you're already so freaked out you're already so stressed out then you're like you know what I had a salad for lunch and I didn't really eat that much. Why do I feel so bad? Or why am I gaining weight? Your stress level has such a huge thing to do with that. And that's why when we talk about meditation, starting your day just by taking five to 10 minutes when you first wake up and just doing some breath work can change your whole process. Just five to 10, if you can do 15, even better. But the way you start your day, my friends always say to me, I love your mindset because whenever we encounter something, they're stressed about it. And then I'll say, we're working on the same project. And I will say, you know what? I'm going to go for a walk. And I go for 10, 15 minutes. I come back and then I attack the issue. I'm not, because if I stress about it, I'm not going to get it done. I'm just going to sit there and worry about something, worry about the inevitable, right? Because I know the impact that stress has on my health and not just body weight. It has, impact in so many ways. I, one of my friends always say that stress is a silent killer. Mm-hmm. Your blood pressure, you know, the, the oxidative stress, because um, stress can lead to oxidative stress, excess inflammation, poor gut health, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So you are definitely on point with that. Thank you so much. Yeah. You know, even when, you know, we have clients in the office and and they haven't dropped weight in a week and they're eating the same thing that the previous week allowed them to drop two, three pounds. If they're stressed out, that will be the culprit. And we don't think that it has that much of a significance on our body, but just like you said, it does. And for weight loss, it is such a huge um, aspect of allowing our body to just be able to let go, let go. I, I believe that dropping weight is a process of letting go, letting go of the excess fat weight, but also all of the emotions that are tied to it. So if we're holding on to something emotionally, um, we're not going to be able to release the the fat as efficiently as we'd like. Then we beat ourselves up. That's an added stressor. You know, why am I not dropping this weight? I'm like, if you keep saying that, you're not going to. And we will just change the mindset. And the next week, it will allow for another large drop in in fat weight. So it, it really is profound. And our bodies operate as if we're still cavemen. A lot of us don't realize that our bodies operate as if we're still hunter gatherers. A lot of people don't realize that when we're constantly in a state of stress, if I'm yelling at example, I'm driving in Orlando, of course, the perfect example, anybody that lives in this area who visited this area will understand my struggle. And if you're (laughs) yelling in, it is insane. Like you're driving nice down the highway, you hit right around Kissimmee, which is where um, Disney world is and everything just stops. But um, if, you, you're, if you're yelling in traffic and you're upset, your body doesn't know that you're yelling at somebody who you think is stupid or driving too slow. All your body knows is that, you know, you're stressed, you're in danger. It, it sends those signals to your body and your body still operates like that. And that's why it's important to understand that because our bodies are, they don't shift to the modern day world to say, you know what, it's all right. He's just yelling in traffic. It doesn't know that. So that's why that's, that's such important. So I definitely, definitely agree with you. Thank you so much. 
So let's talk about our good friend exercise. Now, as a personal trainer, right? Of course, I know that exercise is important and it's an important part in, of um, any fitness regime. In fact, I posted something on Instagram just this morning prior to the interview talking about physical activity and our immune system. But I want to hear your take on why exercise by itself isn't necessarily a great weight loss tool. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you'll have great feedback on what I'm about to say, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, I, I look at exercise as this really awesome wellness tool. It's important for everything, our stress, our sleep, mood, overall health. So I'm definitely an advocate for that, but I'm not an advocate for chronic cardio specifically. Uh, we find that that increases cortisol, like we just talked about, that's a, a chronic stressor. And the body, if you think about us from the caveman days, we weren't meant to move at a moderate intensity for long periods of time. Like we would never run 25 miles just for fun. <laughs> we would go and sprint after something or we would walk a, a lot. We would lift heavy things. And so we really want to focus on exercise that's for functionality. We want to increase fat burn, increase the mitochondria's ability to burn fat. And so when we do that, we'll find that the exercise is a bit more of the higher intensity interval training that's a bit shorter and sweeter, lifting heavier things, or just moving through walking and doing something that helps to reduce overall stress in the body. So I'm a huge advocate for that, but getting on the elliptical machine and looking at how many calories you're burning or just trying to push to, you know, I used to cycle 250 miles a week and I had, I would just put on fat. My body was just trying to protect myself from expending that much energy every day, thinking when the heck is she going to do this insanity again? And I was injured. I just, my body couldn't keep up with it. And I think a lot of us have been told so many times it's about calories in and calories out. So what I find is when we shift the metabolism to have increased metabolic variability, just what you were talking about, being able to burn fat when we want to, and if we move functionally, like I, I mentioned, um, then we can see our bodies drop weight, drop inflammation, we even start some of our clients who aren't used to movement just with nutrition first. And then naturally they find the desire to want to move more. After about six weeks, I'll, I'll hear them say, you know, what can I do now? I want to move. What, what would be best? And I love that. That's the way that it's supposed to be. We're supposed to feel good enough that we want to move because we love the feeling of moving, not because it's something that we are told we should do or feel shame or guilt over because we don't feel like doing it. Wow. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, so with my program, with my clients, I actually discount the personal training piece. And I do that on purpose all the time, because to me, working out is important, like you said, but it's not the most important tool. Mm -hmm. So I discount that because there are people who just don't know how to work out. They don't know how to train. So I, I work with them, but then also that gives me the opportunity to talk to them about nutrition and mm -hmm. to talk to them about all the other habits that are important for weight management, because I definitely agree. I think the, the constant focus on moving, 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 that's what a lot of young trainers do. They focus on moving, 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 burning, burning, burning. But you said the key word there, cortisol. 
Mm-hmm. By constantly moving like that, you raise your cortisol levels and you keep them high consistently. There's a time I used to jog every night, well, five nights a week. Yeah. Didn't lose a pound. <laughs> and I couldn't figure out why. I'm like, I'm jogging. I'm burning all these calories. I could not lose weight. Now, flip side to that, today, I weight lift six days a week. I have three heavy days, three light days. And then I have about two or three days that I do my cardio or I play soccer or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a complete difference because of how our bodies are designed. So you're definitely right. The working out piece is a small portion of managing our body weight, very small. But I want to add something to that. Nutrition is very important. But prior to even nutrition, I'm a biohacker. And if you're familiar with that. Yes. And I focus on habits. I focus on habits because human beings, as we said, are animals, right? And animals need to be in tune with nature. That means getting sunlight. That means getting fresh air. That means spending time doing the things, sweating, doing the things that our bodies need to detox itself. You know, I I did an episode on sweating ones, and I talked about all these expensive detox teas that are out there. And I'm like, you know what? Your skin is your number one detox organ, right? Sweat. Sweat. Like really and truly sweat, your body will detox. Now, I'm not saying detox teas are bad. And I do detox myself other ways as well. But you need to sweat. You need to sweat. That's such an important part. You know, even, you know, in it's, when it's colder outside, there are saunas you can use. There are different things you can do. You can work out inside. But you need heat. You need to sweat. Human beings need that, right? So this is, for me, it's a three-throng three, three approach. Three-prong approach. There we go. So there is um, the lifestyle, there's the nutrition, and then there's the working out. And when all three are working together, you're on a whole different universe. Right. So that's a perfect setup for my next question, the holistic approach. Mm-hmm. You know, beha- behavioral therapy is essential for successful weight loss. So mm-hmm. get into that and connect that with everything else we've been talking about. Yeah, you know, I've mentioned pieces of it, understanding that for a a lot of individuals, dropping weight is an addiction recovery process. So if we just go into it and talk about nutrition and talk about movement, but we don't look at each individual as a a person, as a human, then we're not going to see great success. We know that 80% of any big change comes from the mind and dropping weight and sustaining it definitely qualifies. So looking at the mental, emotional, the habit behavior. So the, the, the lifestyle, as you said, the habit behavior is in there, but then there's also the mental and emotional piece. How we're thinking, why we eat the way that we do, those thoughts that come up, um, how we feel about getting to our optimal weight. You know, there's lots of fear wrapped around dropping weight. If it's not going to work, if it works too well, what happens if I actually do achieve it, then how am I gonna maintain it? So you can find fear in every aspect of this journey. And how do you have the courage to just push through? So we really focus on each individual and those mental, emotional components. So if you're dropping weight or sustaining it, you can't ignore that that is a huge aspect of creating sustainable change. Perfect. I have um, a client, David. So shout out, David, because I know you listen to my podcast. And for him, the value in in our in the service I provide for him, he's been working out forever. 
and um, at least I would say about 20 years, right? But the value of training with me is when I'll text them in the morning, how did you sleep last night? I would text them and ask them, what's going on with your nutrition? What's your plan for today? Mm-hmm. If he, he says, and I'm stressed because he travels a lot, right? And if he says I'm stressed, then I'll talk to him about that. And that's where he gets his he gets that value from because he knows training is important. Until he ran into me, he never realized the importance of nutrition. And then I started talking to him about the lifestyle things and behavioral things. And he's starting to connect that as well. And his wife also is, is my client. And it's the same with her. And we, while, you know, before, sometimes during our workouts, we'll talk about how our week is and what's happened and mental things that that's maybe holding her back. And that's where they get the value of working with me because they've never gotten that from a trainer before. Right. Right. So that's when people like us, when we work with clients, we can, we, we, we're, we're more like transformational specialists, right? Mm-hmm. We do a complete physical, emotional, and mental transformation. And that is when you're starting to operate at the most optimal levels. Mm-hmm. I agree. So one of my favorite questions to ask is, what struggles do you tend to encounter with most clients? Mm-hmm. What, what grinds your gears? Uh, you know, I would say... Oftentimes, individuals who are dropping weight might set into a state of deprivation. And um, it's working to get out of that state of deprivation, realizing that if you're letting go of a specific food, for example, that that's not deprivation, but that's self-respect. It's about breaking the ties with the foods you say you love that aren't loving you back. And so really... We work to help our clients get out of these type of sabotaging thoughts where they say, gosh, it's just not fair that I can't eat that, or I'm so deprived, or I'm so tired of eating vegetables. It's not fair that my husband can eat this pizza and I can't. I'm so bored with my food choices. You know, when here they've, they've dropped 60 pounds, they no longer need knee surgery, they can sleep. You know, we forget how bad we felt, I think, so quickly. And so just remembering, you know, that these vegetables gave you your life back. You are worth so much more than a stupid chip that you would eat, you know, and taste just for a minute that would just, you know, make you feel so crappy the next day you're worth so much more, you're so much more deserving and that you're, you're not depriving, you're, you're giving yourself your life back. So just focusing on what's right rather than what's wrong. So I would say largely it's again, the mental and emotional piece. And so with our clients, we see our clients every week for at least once a week and they have weekly one-on-one coaching where we really focus on those thoughts and holding them accountable and supporting them and holding their hand. And if we hear those thoughts, we're gonna help redirect them in the direction that they actually want to go. So I would say that that is one of the biggest struggles that we see is just shifting that mindset and recognizing that the words that we use have the, the most profound impact on how we act. So if we say, gosh, I'm so upset and frustrated and deprived because I I didn't eat that, I couldn't eat that pizza. Instead, I've chosen to choose this 
salad with meat on it because it makes me feel so good and allows me to wear the clothes that I feel confident in and allows me to be able to play with my grandchildren and get down up off the floor with them, you know? So really focusing again on those words that we choose to help us um, move into this more positive direction. And working with someone like yourself who understands the the science behind cravings is also very important. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna add on to that just quite briefly mm-hmm. is gut bacteria. And I explained that to my clients that the food that you crave is not just mental, a lot of that comes down to the, the, the health of your gut because your gut has good and bad bacteria and good bacteria crave good things. Probiotics, for example, crave prebiotics, right? Prebiotic fiber, bad bacteria crave bad things. And that's why I use the example of, let's say, a vegetarian. After a couple months, if, if they eat clean, they will say, I don't really crave meat anymore, or I don't crave this anymore. If you take processed food out of your diet for a while and eat clean, eventually you're going to say, after maybe about three or four months, that you don't crave those things anymore. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it takes around that time for the bacteria in your gut to replicate. So a lot of times when we think, like you said, it's, we think it's just a lack of self-control, well, part of it, aside from the hormones, is your gut bacteria. So by make, and that's another reason why restrictive dieting doesn't really work. Because you tell somebody, it's like quitting cigarettes, cold turkey. It doesn't really work, aside from the hormonal piece. Also, if you don't focus on your gut bacteria, then eventually you're going to still crave the same foods three, four, five months down the line. And then we're back at square one. So you get, you lost some weight but you're going to probably gain more of it back because you're making up for those four or five months that you were eating, I don't know, shaved chicken and broccoli or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? right. So yes, I, I definitely agree with you on that. And, you know, so it's, again, it's not just about self-control. Mm-hmm. It's about our bodies craving the things that it actually needs for us to survive. Like a lion, when a lion is hungry, he doesn't think, you know, I want pizza and ice cream. It's going to eat an animal that's going to give him body fat for him to use going forward versus human beings. We eat crap and think that, okay, well, that's I'm rewarding myself, but you're really not. You're actually destroying your body in the process of doing so. Yeah. And I also find our palate changes, too. You know, once we take out, say, all the sugars and then you eat a strawberry, it will taste so sweet. An apple will blow your mind, you know, after you've, you've taken out those sugary junk foods. Um, and so our, our palate really drive, I think helps to drive that too. I agree hundred percent. I, um, there was a time I couldn't drink tea without some type of sweetener. So when I switched over, I started using stevia, but then now I, I tried for a couple of weeks to drink it without stevia at all, just the tea itself. And now I absolutely love it. I drink right? my ginger tea, my turmeric tea, yeah. no problem whatsoever. Crazy. Right. And when I tell people that I don't crave certain things, they look at me insane. Like, are you serious? I'm like, no, I'm serious. And I've had, I've, not really clients, but I've talked to my friends and later on I'll tell them this and they won't believe me. And after a couple of weeks of them making some changes themselves, they're like, wow, I don't like, I don't like certain foods anymore. Their palate change. I'm like, that's. What I'm telling you, you don't have to be a slave to food. Right. So we've touched on so many topics, and this is really one of the best episodes I've done. And I'm going to make sure I take some of these clips and put it up on my YouTube as well, 
because you've given us a lot of good information. So thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. So what else out there should we talk about that we haven't touched on yet? Anything that comes to mind? I guess the only other thing is that I want everyone to know that if they've tried to drop weight in the past and they haven't seen success, that you know, you're not a failure. It's just that the antiquated methods have failed you. And that if you want to make a change, you can do it simply because you want to. There doesn't have to be any other reason behind it. You can do it if you want to. And I find that action really quiets the chatter. And if you wait to get started until it feels right, you're never going to get started because it never feels right. It always might feel a little anxiety provoking or maybe even a little bit scary. But if you just dive in, even if it feels uncomfortable at the beginning and you really just want to make a change, you can do it. And so I just um, want everyone to have hope that change is possible and it doesn't have to be hard. It can be simple. So no matter what you decide to do, find a simple route and someone to support you, hold you accountable and guide you because the process can be complicated if you try to do it on your own. And I think that we increase our general level of stress so much thinking I should be able to do this on my own. And then we fail and then we think that we're a failure and there's no hope. So I just want people to know that there is hope and they can do it if they want to. And to add to that, conventional advice is what get us in that, in that space a lot. That's right. You know, we think that, okay, if we just do this, we're going to look like this by this point in our life. And that's not necessarily the case. And there's never a one, a one way to fix everybody's problems. Mm -hmm. And that's why working with an expert like Dr. Lucas is, can really transform your life. I definitely believe that. And again, that's why I have this Eco Health show. And that's why I bring on experts who can really help you to change and transform your life. So thank you very much. Oh, yeah. Thanks again for having me. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Trust me. So with that being said, this was a kick-ass interview. So now I want to ask, what's the best way for my audience to get in touch with you? Yeah, our, our website is myphdweightloss.com. And we're also on social media at PhD Weight Loss for Instagram and Facebook. And then uh, my handle is Dr. Dr. underscore Ashley Lucas. And I'm around doing videos and hoping to just share knowledge that's unconventional that will help people make dramatic change as simple as possible. Great. Perfect. Thank you so much. And we're definitely going to have to do some work together in the future. Um, yeah. And also, too, um, the, your her information, guys, is going to be available in the show notes and also in the description of the podcast. So you can click, get in touch with Dr. Lucas and start putting yourself on the path to success. Yes, that's right. It's exciting. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Zico Health Show. If you got good quality content out of this episode, save, subscribe, and share it out there with family, friends, coworkers, or anybody who needs to hear this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.